Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. I am so happy you decided to join me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins, and I hope you enjoy our time together today. As always, I want to thank you for dropping in because I know we are all busy and have a long list of to-dos, so thank you for being with us today. My goal and intent for this space is to create a place where women feel empowered to live out their God-given destiny and also to establish a dialogue that is interesting and culturally relevant to our lives today. So if you're new here, welcome. I hope you will come back for more. Today on the podcast, we are starting a new study. We are going to do a deep dive into the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a book about recovery, God's recovery. It is very much paralleling with the world we live in today, and you will see our own culture all throughout this study. Originally, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah were one book, and when the Geneva Bible was written in 1560, they were then separated into two. Nehemiah's name means Yahweh comforts, and you will be able to see in the story of Nehemiah how his courage and even aggression was a comfort to his people. Nehemiah wrote the book firsthand and in real time, so it makes for a fascinating story. Back in the book of Ezra, we see Ezra called to rebuild the temple. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, we see him called to bring defense around the house of God and God's people by the rebuilding of the wall. There is a governmental thread all throughout both books and even on into the next book of Esther. All three of those books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, are all about God, His kingdom, His people, the church, and a great recovery effort. What I want us to remember during our study time is that God has a plan and a purpose for everything, especially His kingdom. God ordains that something exists and that what has been lost or damaged from that initial purpose needs restoration. This is a vivid picture for us today in what's taking part in the recovery efforts of God. So you and I have a part to play in that. We have to take part in the recovery effort of God. God will not be defeated. Even though Satan comes to damage and destroy, there will always be a recovery back to God's original design. This book shows us the blueprints for recovery for today. We're going to travel through chapters one through six and take a look at this extraordinary man of God. Now, we know very little of him. We do not even know which tribe he is from. He is the son of Hakaliah, which I'm sure if we did a deep dive into the genealogy, we could probably trace it back to the tribe, but it doesn't tell us. So I want us to start reading in chapter one and go through the first four verses. 
It says, these are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity about Jerusalem. So he's asking his brothers and some others, What is happening back home? What's happening with my homeland, my nation? What's happening in the city of Jerusalem? And they said to me, the remnant there is in the province who survived the captivity and they are in great distress and reproach and the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Now it came about when I heard these words that I sat down and wept for days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven." So when was the last time that you heard news of your people, your homeland, your country, your church, and you wept? You were burdened. What burdens your heart today? Pay attention to that and do not dismiss it. Nehemiah was heartbroken over what his country had become. I feel the same way as I look out on the landscape of of America today. It is almost unrecognizable to the country and nation I once knew. It needs a recovery effort. We go on through the verses and see that this news leads Nehemiah to pray, even the word beseeching the Lord. Let's read verses five through seven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keeps his commandment. Let thy ear now be attentive and thy eyes Open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. There's some accountability. We have acted very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded us through your servant Moses. That's reading down through verse seven. Here we see his personal accountability. We see a picture of repentance and the turning back. To the very end of the chapter, we see these very simple words in verse, uh, the end of verse 11. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. We see that Nehemiah was a common man. He had no noble bloodlines. He had no big career. There was nothing standout-ish about him, just a common man. But pretty soon, we see this common man get the answer to his prayers. Most accounts of Nehemiah that I could find speak of his aggressiveness in this situation. And I think that's important. You're gonna hear me talk about that in every episode. Nehemiah was aggressive in his purpose. If you and I are going to see change and recovery in our own world right now, it's going to take some aggressive action on our part. And yes, you heard me, us. We can't just hope and pray that so-and-so goes and does something. You and I, we have to act. Even as the cupbearer position held no authority, it did carry influence. It was a position of complete trust and gave him direct access to the king. Now, here's a side note. Most cupbearers in that day were eunuchs. We never hear of Nehemiah having a wife or children, and he was allowed access to the queen. So we can draw a conclusion here uh, with those facts that he most likely was a eunuch. But the king takes notice that he is sad. His face looks very different than it normally does, and the king asks him why. 
The Bible tells us that Nehemiah was afraid when he was asked that question, why are you sad? And he prayed right in that moment, and he must have just prayed in his mind and heart to the Lord, and then he spoke his request. So we're going to go to chapter 2 and read verse 5 and 6. And this is Nehemiah speaking. He said, And I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. See, he's not asking somebody else to go do the work. He's saying, I will go rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I gave him a definite time. So that's verses five and six. So here we see favor. We see how God can position us in the perfect place at the perfect time to receive the opportunity that we need to move out in courage. And I'm gonna tell you, if you do what God's calling you to do, it's going to take courage. We need courage today. This is gonna take courage for Nehemiah. So what would have happened if Nehemiah just stayed in his fear and refused to speak up? Well, we know what would have happened, right? Nothing. Thank God Nehemiah had the courage to speak the truth. So Nehemiah is sent with papers to cross certain provinces and letters to cut down timber in the forest to make beams for the gates and walls. And he also sent him with officers of the army and the horsemen. See, when God opens a door for us, to get moving on something, he's gonna resource you with exactly what you need. He will provide for each thing you have need of, but notice, Nehemiah had to ask. He had to use his voice. So the story goes on to say that he was inspecting Jerusalem for three days when he got there. He went at night, taking only a few men with him to inspect the gates and the walls. He told no one what God was directing him to do. And as he rode through the city, he could see the breaches and the destruction of the city, just like his brother had told him about. The walls were broken down and the gates had been consumed by fire. Let's read down in verses 17, going through verse 20. And this is in chapter Chapter 2, 17 and 20 says, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we're in. Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. So come and let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. How many of you feel like America is a reproach right now? I know I do. Verse 18 says, And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked us, they despised us, and they said, what is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we are his servants and we will arise and build. But you, you will have no portion. You will have no right and no memorial in Jerusalem. See, here we have literally the enemies at the gates. They's got, they're always fun, aren't they? When you see these enemies at every gate that you cross in life, there will be enemies there. Anytime God calls us to build, recover, reclaim, reestablish, there will be enemies at the gate. You can count on it. Go ahead and give them some names. Have an answer ready for them, just like Nehemiah did. Then chapter three goes on to lay out in great detail the name of each man and each family who set about to rebuild their portions of the wall, the portions that were closest to their homes and their land. Then they would consecrate and hang the doors upon it. And then when I got to verse 12 of chapter three, I had to stop. It says this, 
and next to him Shalom, the son of Halohesh, the official of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. The daughters, God bless Shalom. He was the official over half the district and he took his daughters with him to rebuild and recover. That's us. That's us, girls. Stop shrinking back because we're women. We're daughters. Rise up. Use your voice for such a time as this. Aggressively go after what God is assigning to you for this time and place in history. See, this rebuilding and recovery effort meant everything to me, Nehemiah. He was passionate about it. Do you know what the word passion means? It means that you are willing to sacrifice for something. You know how everybody's like, well, this is just my passion. You know, I'm just really passionate about this. I have such a passion for blah, 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 whatever it is. What are you passionate about today? Because that means that if you're passionate about it, you're willing to sacrifice for it. See, Nehemiah was willing to sacrifice for the defense of his nation, its borders, its boundaries, and its people. He was willing to do all it took to get the job done. His love for the Lord and his love for his people compelled him onward. Now notice the voice of the enemy that was introduced in chapter two, verse 19. He says, are you rebelling against the king? See, those words were meant to immediately instill fear and intimidate Nehemiah and the people. It was meant to stop them dead in their tracks and to even retreat for fear of being called treasonous. The enemy will do the same to you. He will use the words of other people to intimidate, smear, and slander you, and he will even use complete lies if necessary. I love Nehemiah's response in 2.20. He says, you will have no portion, no right, and no memorial in Jerusalem. He is basically saying, hey, y'all, you're on the wrong side of history, and I'm arising and building, and you will have no part of any of it. Some of us may need to turn on the enemy today and say the same thing to him, whether it's through a person or an evil spirit. The wall had to be rebuilt for the protection of the people of God in his house, the temple. Today, we are that temple. We also have physical walls that protect us. I bet every last one of you listening to me has walls up in your house and a front door that locks. Why? Not because you don't love the people outside your house, but because you love what's inside of your house more. Walls aren't about hate. Nehemiah wasn't rebuilding because he hated anybody. He was rebuilding because he loved his God and he loved his people and he loved his country. Walls are way more about love than they are about anything else and protection. Now, I told you this story would correlate with some of what we're currently facing in our nation and culture. I love how the Bible speaks to every single thing we ever need. It never leaves a stone uncovered. There is nothing we are facing today that hasn't already been faced in the ages past. This is our blueprint for today. All right, so next week, we're gonna dive deep into the building of the wall and the next part of the story. So I hope you heard something today that awakened your spirit woman to act, to do something, to use your voice, to begin your own recovery efforts. Let me pray for you today as we go. Dear Father, Thank you for this time together today. Thank you for your word that is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. We always want to find ourselves settled in your word as our foundation. And thank you for Nehemiah and his lesson to us on courage and aggressive obedience towards you, Lord. Today, I pray for all my friends listening. 
I ask that you would help us know and understand our assignments during this time in history. We know we are more than mere matter taking up space and time, so show us today how to take our place in your great story, history. We love you, Jesus. We belong to you, and we thank you for your great love and kindness that always leads us onward. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, you know, each episode, I like to leave you with a tip of the day. So today's tip is go buy yourself a plant. But Harriet, I don't have a green thumb, me either, but hear me out. It's important to surround ourselves with life. Plants do that. Plastic plants don't. Remember us talking about the plastic people, how they kill beauty? Well, plastic plants do too. Life's too short to surround ourselves with fake stuff. So go and buy yourself a little grocery store green plant for your home. Look up the species and learn how to care for it and watch it grow. You will be amazed at how it brings life to you. Pretty soon, you will buy another and another. If you still love a beautiful faux arrangement, mix it all together, but bring in the real stuff. You will instantly see the fake when the real is present. That is really true. So get yourself a plant and send me a picture of it, and I bet you'll be surprised how easy it is to cultivate the life of that plant. And that's all I've got for today. So I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast, Go Make Your Life Awesome. Awesome.